There's a spiritual war that's going on for our communities. It's a war between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And God wants to equip us to be His occupying force in our communities. Join in today to learn more. Once again, your host, Richard and Kimberly Wilson, we welcome you to our podcast, Occupying Force. And before we get started, we just remind you, we'd love for all of you to um, go to wherever you enjoy podcast and subscribe to our podcast, Occupying Force. Help us spread the word on that. Also, go to our watchmenarise.com website and see the resources that we have to offer there. Today we're going to talk about the Lamb's Inheritance. This is episode 18. Last week we talked about the Lamb's War, and we took you into Psalm chapter 2, went through that psalm, had a great time doing that. So today we're going to carry on with the Lamb's Inheritance. Psalm 2 verse 8, it says that the nations are the Son's inheritance and the earth is His possession. So considering this passage, it is important to understand what Jesus inherited. So we're going to look at two key words that were used in Psalm 2.8. For the word nations, it's the Hebrew word goy, which means a nation, a people, or a body. And then he inherited the earth, and the earth is land, the whole earth, country, or territory. Many times in the Old Testament, it was linked with the development of a nation or a city or township that was placed upon the earth. So it's where God started to have man orchestrate and begin to live in community. So if you look at that in the light of that passage, Jesus is inheriting the the nations or people groups or a body politic, And then the Lord gives him the earth as his possession, which is, again, a country, a territory, or the whole earth. So it's almost like a double phrase using two different words, but they have very similar meanings. So we recognize very clearly from Scripture that nations are something that come from God's heart. They're important to him. We brought that up last week. We'll look at the Great Commission. We see it there. Another place is that's interesting in Revelation where it talks about river of life flowing from the throne. It says it's healing to the nations. So nations are so much a part of God and his kingdom that they're going to continue however God wants to continue them. So let's look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. It says, Jesus came up, spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We've known this verse forever, but I honestly had no real revelation when he talked about discipling nations. I always saw it from the standpoint of discipling people. And that kind of discipleship is important, whether we're discipling people one-on-one, we're discipling them in groups. Many times as a pastor, I thought about, okay, we need to disciple the people in our church. But this brings on a whole new context as we have this revelation about nations. And so a lot of our podcast, we've been looking at what does a discipled nation look like? What does that mean? So we're going to continue that as we even move forward today. 
You know, it continues in Mark 16, 15, where Jesus, again, it's the Great Commission, it's Mark's perspective, but he instructs the disciples and says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So there's two key words in these passages that are often overlooked. And like Richard mentioned, the nations, it says in Matthew 28, 20, all nations, go into all nations, go into the ethnos in Greek. And you can even hear in our English language, the word ethnicity in that. What that word actually means in Greek is a multitude associated with living together, a company, a troop or a swarm. It also is the human race, a nation, or a people group. So here Jesus is saying, go out to where groups of people are living and make disciples of them. And then you look at all the world that's in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world. It's cosmos in Greek. And here's a few of its definitions. It's a harmonious arrangement or constitution, order, or government. So again, we can't have a nation or a government unless there's some form of a legal structure set up and how people should live amongst each other. Another definition is the arrangement of the stars as the ornament in heaven. So, you know, we look at the stars in the sky and they're set in a great order. We have a God that's a God of order. Cosmos is also the world, the universe, or the earth. I think for many of us, if we look at that Greek word, we think cosmos immediately as the heavens above us. But really, Jesus is saying, go into the places where people are organized and start discipling them, start shifting the nations that are there. So if we're going to look at this from even a strategic place, and laying that out with those definitions, because many times you think nations, you're thinking all of the United States of America that makes a nations. But then you've even heard, well, there's nations within nations. And when you recognize that breakdown, we've communicated it from the standpoint of localism. So that which has to do then with tribes, those kinds of things, community, then you break it down. So you see it as this massive thing, but then when we talk about it from the strategies that we're looking at, no, it's taking small pieces, and those small pieces, then they make up a nation. You know, a great way to look at that in the United States is we have also indigenous nations that are here as well, whether it's the Cherokee tribe, the Seminole tribe. There are many, many nations within the nation of the United States of America, or should I say the land that the United States sits on. We also see ethnos or people groups based on ethnicity. So in Florida, we have a great population of Latinos. And so with that, we know that there's a different culture that's there and we love how we have a lot of Puerto Rican friends and there's this camaraderie that just comes up when they gather together. They're really a nation within a nation and we can go work with them and disciple them. And it's such a joy to do that because they do have this pride and this energy that your average American doesn't have. They have this fervor for the nation. And one of the things as you were talking when you use the word culture, because in each one of those, there's a different culture. Right. In other words, you can't put all of the Spanish-speaking people in one culture. You're no. talking about the Puerto Ricans. Yeah. But then when you look at others that speak the Spanish language, they have their own cultures. 
So when we look at those cultures, then God has a heart. He has a great love for every one of those cultures. For those that live in the United States, it's much different in New York than it is in Florida. Absolutely. Two totally different cultures. And then throw California in there and Texas. Very different places to live, very different people groups, and Jesus loves them all. Oh. So if we go back to this passage about Jesus inheriting the nations in Psalm 2, and we know that he has inherited the nations. He has the job description then as the possessor of these things to delegate management for that which he inherited. And so that was the word that went out to the disciples in Matthew 28 and also in Mark 16, when he said, you know, go ye therefore. And he said, you know, I need you to go out in my authority. I'm blessing you. You can go. And I want you to cause societal transformation to happen wherever you go. So if I'm hearing you correctly, when we use the word that which has to do with teaching to follow his commandments, really it has to do with then those things manifesting in society that then shows the, the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom actually being manifest, actually being practical. So, you know, if we go back to Psalm 2, the Lord says, you know, this is my son. And he makes that statement in there. And that's a very important thing to consider when you're looking at these passages in the Gospels. And you go back just a few chapters earlier in chapter 16 of Matthew, and you have Jesus sitting there in Caesarea Philippi, and he said, you know, who do you say that I am? And the revelation finally came out of the mouth of Peter, and he says, well, well you are the Son of God. You are the Christ. And he had a revelation of who he is. So when we go just a few chapters later into chapter 28 in Matthew, it's important that the disciples had a grasp on who Jesus was as a son of God because they would have tied it into that Psalm 2 prophecy that came forth. Psalm 2 is a very messianic prophecy and it's quoted over and over again in the New Testament. Why? Because that's one that the Jews at the time were waiting for that promise of that Messiah to come. And here he was, Jesus Christ, the Son of God made flesh. And so in that moment when he's giving them the instructions to go out and to make disciples, he at this point is resurrected and comes back and he's talking to them and giving them the instructions before he takes off to heaven for good it's important to understand that portion of things. So then Mark 16, when we look at that a little deeper, we'll see that it's not necessarily just about person by person. And again, we, as Richard said earlier, it's not that we don't believe in discipleship, reaching the people one by one, but there's a transformation that the Lord desires in the earth. He wants the nations brought back to him. So we're going to read that passage right now in Mark chapter 16. I'm going to start with verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will pick up serpents, 
And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So we recognize from this passage, there's a lot going on here that Jesus says is going to take place in those that are going out there and teaching. Again, we break those things down so many times that just have to do with the individual. But today, we're just going to lay out kind of a summary of what each one of those could mean in terms of a broader picture. Instead of just casting a demon out of a person, what does it have to do when it comes to nations or territories, regions, cities, towns? And so we're going to go through that today. And we're going to have fun in the next few weeks as we break each of these down. So this first one, it talks about cast out a nation's demons. After instructing the church to preach to all creatures, make disciples of all nations, the first criteria that Jesus describes for evaluating the effectiveness in this mission is the signs like casting out of demons would be evident. So again, we're talking about overcoming cultural sin and oppression. In other words, the casting out of demons in a region. So that's major. I mean, as charismatic Christians, we know that people can be possessed and that deliverance happens and they get delivered from spirits, whether it's fear or lust or anger, different things that they get possessed from, but territories can actually become possessed as well. Absolutely. So that we'll talk about in our next episode and how cultural sin is overturned by casting out a nation's demons. This next one's very interesting because it says, speak the nation's new tongues. In other words, we, we talk about speaking in tongues, but from the place of discipling a region, we're talking about then speak the nation's new tongues, which in this hour is so important to us. And there's so much going on right now in a very positive way that engulfs what's being talked about here. And literally that means the worldview of the Bible. In other words, so that we will begin to speak in a way that the culture that we live in can begin to move forward because we're going to speak their language so that it'll open up their hearts. We're going to speak their language so that it'll open up their eyes and bring an understanding so that then they'll be open to what it is that God's saying. Well, you know, the word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I think about some of the Muslim people, the Islamic nations, and how they have been so indoctrinated in that particular religion. And once they hear about the Lord, once they come to know Jesus, there's an education that needs to take place. And so part of our discipling is bringing that new language into the culture and an understanding of God's ways and who He is. So the next one is take up serpents. Well, we're looking at this from the standpoint of taking up the nation's serpents. It's the church is confronting and seizing the dangerous things in the culture. And so we're living in a time where we see it so clearly of what we talked about, different culture wars that are going on, different worldviews that are going on. And moving into those places can be dangerous. Oh, yes. And he's talking about, well, okay, be willing to go into those places. 
This is where the political and religious spirit is confronted. It's like when Moses confronts Pharaoh. That's a major structure. That's a major thing going on in Egypt. And Moses called to go right in there and confront that. So we're going to have fun with that one when we get to it and begin to break it down. The next one is drinking the nation's deadly things. So here's a question. Is the church confronting deadly things in the culture? Or are we sitting back and we just being quiet and not addressing these things? Evil business, it's an issue. Challenge and eliminate corruption and ungodly practices, that's at the highest levels of business and finance. So we're going to talk about those things when we come to that topic of drink the nation's deadly things. And this last one is broadening it to laying hands on the nation's sickness. So we recognize, again, you could talk about from the thing that's going on with COVID or whatever. I mean, there's sickness that's going on out there and people are looking for answers. So in this, yes, we are talking about in terms of medical, but we're even talking about from the standpoint of hands-on health care, from the standpoint of God does have an eternal health care planned. And we want to be able to open that up and begin to share that. We know that God performs miracles, and we're those that believe in those miracles, and we want to see his miracles put on display in the nations that we live in. So we hope you, we've broadened your perspective of this passage in Mark 16. Again, as Richard mentioned earlier, we always looked at things from just the perspective of let's go out and let's get the lost one, get them saved and bring them into the kingdom and then discipleship of them. But there are those of you that are listening today that you have a call to go broader than just the one by one. You have the call to disciple a whole group, whether it's a group of people that have been in the kingdom of darkness and they've been addicted and abused and drugged up and you have them in a rehab home and you're discipling them. You're actually discipling a culture into this group of people. And while it's about one-on-one -on -one and teaching them, you are really transforming society because you're pulling them out of that place of darkness and putting a light-filled Christian into society in their place. It'll start having a domino effect. It'll start changing the culture in the cities that you live in as we look at it that way. Absolutely, and you can see these things are broken down into the different spheres of culture. I mean, we've talked about that, that has to do with business, that which has to do with the political governmental realm, those kinds of things. So when we go through these and begin to break them down, then we believe God's going to open your eyes to the place that he's already put you. And then he's going to open your heart up to see where he's already put you. And there's going to be a grace and anointing that comes so that you can begin to walk into what these passages say in terms of discipling nations. So we've said from the beginning of Occupying Force, it takes spiritual management plus civil engagement to cause communities to be transformed. And so as you go forth after listening to this podcast today, ask the Lord, how can you disciple the nation, the ethnos, the people group that you are involved in and what he wants you to focus on? And again, we're going to be talking about these five different areas over the next few weeks in our podcast. So listen in next week and you'll get to learn about how to cast out a nation's demons. 
So once again, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We invite you to go to our website, watchmenarise.com. If you want to shoot us an email at office at watchmenarise.com, do that. We'd love to develop relationship with you. So we just bless you today and we thank God for each one of you in your uniqueness and each one of your special to what God's doing in this hour. Thanks for listening.